It's that time. The Sports Talker. Here's T.J. Walker. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the edition of the Sports Talker here on 1450, the Sports Buzz. Not a ton of news regarding UK or Louisville today. Again, I promise today I'm going to talk more about the Kentucky's Bahamas trip, although the further away we get from their last game on Sunday, the sillier it seems to talk about that. But we will get to it. Uh, I promise you that. And yesterday we got a little sidetracked, got on a great Johnny Manziel debate that I'm sure will carry over into today because there was some news on that front and talked a lot about the office yesterday. I guess the summer days aren't technically over, although the start of football is eight days away. The NFL 15 days away, which I don't know if it's, I mean, I guess I get this excited for NFL season every year, but this, this one for whatever reason seems like more. And maybe it's because I like my fantasy team. Maybe it's because the Packers are a hundred percent healthy and that's a change heading into the season. I don't know what it is. But I, I'm I'm much more excited about the NFL than I am about college football, which is rare. That's I guess that probably goes back and forth every year, whether or not I'm more excited about NCAA or NFL. But this year, there's no doubt that it's NFL. And for me to be this much more excited about the NFL season than the college football season is strange. And it has nothing to do with Kentucky. I'm very excited for Kentucky season. I'm very excited for Louisville season. I'm excited to see how those two teams do. I'm excited to see how the progress Stoops made. But... I feel like in terms of making your product as good as it can be or as close to as good as it can be, the NFL has it figured out and they're they're a good job at building it's a good they do a good job of building a pipe. They do a good job of selling their product, teasing their product and it's got me on board again. Some of that maybe just has to do with I'm pretty excited about my fantasy team. I've got a lot of guys that are fun to watch. A lot of guys that are going to be on TV a lot. So I'm probably a little bit more excited. A lot a bit more excited about the NFL season than the college football season. But still going to talk a lot about the college football season. There's not much new today coming out of Kentucky and coming out of Louisville. It's back. Yates, how are you? Doing all right, TJ. How about yourself? Doing well. uh, You you left me with Trevor for three. Uh, Anyways, glad to have you back (laughs) as you go as you go quiet when I throw something over you kind of the opposite of Trevor there but actually you were were the quiet one you cut out there oh did I cut out yes okay well uh well anyways uh, glad to have you back feel free to put in your input anytime Yates we haven't gotten to talk for a few days so uh on a few of these topics and conversations I look forward to hearing your opinion thanks good to be back all righty and uh, some more news uh, coming out of Kentucky basketball today. Carl Anthony Towns, who is playing for the Dominican Republic team tonight against the United States, a game that I'm very excited to watch, just uh, any USA basketball game. I'm thrilled to be able to watch, but the Dominican Republic, there's a lot of familiar names on that team. Obviously, Carl Anthony Towns, Francisco Garcia, Edgar Sosa. They'll go against each other tonight. The United States is going to win. The United States is going to win by a lot, but... It will be fun to see what Carl Anthony Towns can do against some of the best players in the world that are that are featured on this United States team. Anthony Davis, DeMarcus Cousins, assuming that he's going to play tonight. 
which it, based on what I saw yesterday, he said that he was 50-50, but uh, Mike Krzyzewski said that it seemed more likely that he would play. So I would guess that he's going to play at least some tonight. So I look forward to seeing what he's able to do and what Carl Anthony Towns can do against him. But it came out today that Carl Anthony Towns will not travel with the Dominican Republic to the World Basketball Cup, the World Basketball Championship in Spain. Now, this is, I I can't decide if I'm surprised by this news or not. I I guess I'm not, because if you have to think about if you're surprised about it, then you're probably not surprised. But there are players playing for some of these national teams that have to be in college. I can't think of any off the top of my head, but there has to be some somewhere along the line. So you think the the tournament starts, I think, August 30th and September 14th. It's about a two-week tournament. You're probably going to – that's assuming you play in the championship game. But it's it's safe to say you're going to be there for two and a half weeks, maybe three weeks, depending on when teams get over there. So to miss two and a half weeks, three weeks of school seems like a lot and something that you might not be able to overcome. But there has to be some college players playing in this FIBA championship. And if they can do it, then you certainly think that Carl Towns would be able to do it. But he said today on Twitter that he's a student athlete first. He committed to Kentucky first before committing to play for the Dominican Republic national team. So he won't be going over to Spain because he'd be missing too much time. Now, this is good news for Kentucky. On the one side, he'd be going up against good competition in Spain and, and getting to play against some of the best, and that would only help him. But I think it's much more important for him to be on UK's campus, getting practice uh, against and with his teammates and, and learning as a freshman, again, he's only been on campus for a few months, uh, being able to learn Calipari's system even more so. So he'll play tonight for the Dominican Republic team, but that will be it, uh, at least for the foreseeable future, with his uh, partnership with the Dominican Republic team. So uh, a little disappointed. I kind of wanted to watch him play in the Dominican Republic, but probably better news for Kentucky that he's going to stick around. And I guess while we're on the topic... I need to talk a little bit about the United States or the UK's, excuse me, trip to the Bahamas. As always, you can tweet in the show at T Walker Rivals. Had some good tweets in yesterday. It was fun to be able to read those throughout the show, like interacting with the with the people on Twitter that like to listen and, and play along. We <laughs> continued to push it off Monday. Push it off yesterday. I will push it off no further. Kentucky goes 5-1 and one in the Bahamas, losing their last game to the Dominican Republic on a last-second shot with two seconds left from Jack Michael Martinez um, of the Dominican Republic to put them up one. And you, uh, Kentucky, I, I keep wanting to call USA. I guess when I'm thinking international basketball, I, my mind is on USA and the Dominican Republic game tonight. But Kentucky had... Two plays, two throw-ins. One got tipped out of bounds with the 2.5, 2.9 seconds left to play. Uh, neither one were good looks. Obviously, the one that got tipped out of bounds wasn't. The second one wasn't as either. It was not not, not a well-drawn play from John Robick, the assistant coach, who was the head coach. And it, it was a, there's no way around it. It was a disappointing loss for Kentucky. It was kind of a, a sour way to end uh, otherwise a very productive trip. They outplayed the Dominican Republic in that last game. Of course, uh, Francisco Garcia was not playing for the Dominican Republic in that final game, and Alex Poitras sat out the last 
I don't remember exactly how long it was, but it seems anywhere to be five to ten minutes of that game. I want to say more more towards ten or even more uh, of the game. And I think there's no coincidence that when Alex Poitras went out of the game for good, his platooning ro- lineup really struggled offensively. And I, I think that speaks to more so how big of a role Alex Poitras might be. He can He's the type of player that doesn't maybe have the best skill set on Kentucky's team, but he's one of the guys that can make something out of nothing. He can soar. I'm convinced that he can fly, and he's going to be a big part of this offense's success, just being able to do the little things, helping his teammates, creating for others, and also being able to create for himself when it seems like there's nothing else going on. So he goes out of the game. UK's offense starts to uh, become very stagnant. Don't really get many good uh, many chances to score, and then Tyler Ulis specifically and a few other players start going cold from the free throw line that would have helped put that game away against the Dominican Republic. Sure enough, they end up with a loss. John Calipari was uh, putting a positive spin on it. He said it was a good message, a, a good lesson for his team that they're not unbeatable. They have to put effort out there every game. They, there's no right that they're going to win games just because they have a deep team, a talented team. They have to still go out and win it on the floor. Uh, I think there is some truth to that being a valuable lesson. Uh, And this loss can help Kentucky going forward. But again, they're not going to have us. They're not, they're never going to be in a situation like they were in the Bahamas from here on out. It's going to be once they start playing real competition in November, uh, they can only play five guys at a time. Of course, that was still the way in the Bahamas, but you're not going to see platooning substitution from Kentucky. You're just not. You're going to start getting a rhythm of who's going to play more, who's going to play the most, and who's going to really get uh, lose minutes on Kentucky's bench. And I think you got a good idea of who the guys are that are going to play for Kentucky. So we'll come back and talk a little bit about that. I got some tweets in from Brun DMC. Said I saw this thread on a college basketball forum. What would be UK's version of the shot? What would UK's version of the shot be? Harrison's against Wisconsin. I'm curious of. Do you mean all time, Brun DMC, or do you mean just this past season? Because all time, I'm not going there. I would need some time to think about what it would be. But I it wouldn't be that. I, I don't think. There's I mean there's so, there's so many good last second shots in Kentucky basketball history. I don't know which one it would be, but I don't think it'd be that one. And the reason I say that, I mean it was a big shot. Kentucky was down. If they don't hit it, they don't advance to the championship. And I would say maybe if they win that NCAA championship, they would. That that could be the version of the sh- of that of, of that shot. It, it certainly could be. You know, when you hear the shot, it's always got. When you hear about shots, it always seems like it's got to be a last second shot. I'd say Scott Padgett's three against Duke in the 1998 Elite Eight is up there. That gave UK a three-point lead after being down big in that game. 
I mean, Kentucky had really no business coming back in that game, and I'm pretty sure with around eight minutes left, Duke was out of timeouts, and Tubby Smith refused to call one because he didn't want to give a chance. To, he didn't want to give uh, Mike Shashevsky a chance to kind of settle his players down. So the game just kept going, kept going. Kentucky kept fighting back, fighting back. And then finally, Scott Padgett's three gave them an 84-81 lead, a lead that they never gave up again in that game. And then, of course, in 1998, they go on to win that national championship. So it's tough. I, I might have to put that question out there on Twitter to see what fans think. It's I, I might catch some some flack for doing that during so close to football season, but that, that's a good question. I think that's up there. I mean, you could, you could pick any really of the Harrison shots this year and make them make them. That could be the shot. Obviously the one on the final four is the biggest cause it's the furthest along, but if you don't have Aaron Harrison's three against Louisville, you never get that. If you don't have this three against Michigan, you, you maybe never get that. He tweets back in and says maybe the last few years. The last few years, I tell you what, if Patrick Sparks three against Michigan State, if Kentucky ends up winning that game and and game goes to double overtime, Kentucky loses. If Patrick Sparks three, that was I was there. That was more, probably the more unbelievable, the most unbelievable shot I've ever seen in person. Maybe the most unbelievable game I've ever seen in person. If he hits that three, that hits the rim. It seems like seven different times to send the game into overtime, and he got fouled on that three two, which don't get me started. So he hits that three, game goes into double overtime, Kentucky ends up losing. A heartbreaking loss for me. Uh, that uh, That's when I was in seventh or eighth grade, and I, I don't think I've ever really cheered for Kentucky the way I did then. Uh, I've done a lot of growing up, or maybe a little growing up since then. But if Kentucky goes on to win that game, goes to the Final Four, I still don't think they win the championship that year. That UNC team was really good, and you have Kentucky and Louisville in the Final Four yet again back in 2005 if Kentucky wins that game. That could have been considered the shot, but I don't think you can have the shot being a game that you would lose. So looking back <laughs> the past few years, uh, again, this isn't this wouldn't be the shot or even close to the equivalent of the shot, but DeMarcus Cousins tip in against Mississippi State in the SEC championship game in 2010 was certainly uh, an unbelievable moment for Kentucky to win the SEC championship or to force overtime and eventually win the SEC championship against Mississippi State. And then Brandon Knight's shot against Ohio State in 2011, I would say, is equally as big as any of Aaron Harrison's threes. I might be in the minority in thinking that, but Ohio State was – that Ohio State team was winning the national championship in 2011, if not for Kentucky. And I still stand by that. They would have beaten UConn in the Final Four, and they would have destroyed Butler in the championship game. That Ohio State team was the best team in college basketball that year, and it wasn't close. And Kentucky, I, I still, looking back at that game, I don't know how Kentucky won. Kentucky literally had to play one of their best games, and they did on that night thanks to Brandon Knight. So I think maybe that may, is more so the shot for Kentucky of the past few years. He tweets in and asks, he wants to know, uh, what's UofL's version of the shot, Yates? Do you have anything that jumps out at you? Um, gosh, right off the top of my head, I'm 
not coming up with, coming up with anything. If you give me like a commercial break, I can probably try to come up with one or two. I try to think off the top of my head. If there's one that really stands out, it's obviously the Edgar Sosa shot against Kentucky. That I, I don't think anybody would consider that one of the greatest shots in, in Louisville history, but it certainly was uh, a a big one from the rivalry standpoint of things and just also the, the, the drama of that whole game to end it like that was obviously exciting and, and fun to, and fun to watch. Even if you're not a Louisville fan, it was looking back at it. That was a very entertaining game. I I know there's been some, there's been some, there was some last second heroics in the big East tournament. Wasn't there? Uh, yeah, there, there's definitely been some big East tournament stuff. I'm trying to think of, I was trying to think of some NCAA tournament things, and the the first one that popped in my head maybe was West Virginia Elite Eight from 2005. But that wasn't really there wasn't really one particular shot that I think of when I think of that game. So I don't know if you could throw that one in there. Yeah, it, it, that's that's kind of the problem. Is you need one iconic moment that you can just that flashes back in your head the second that you hear about that game. Uh, for the West Virginia Louisville game uh, back in 2005, it's kind of just that entire second half for Louisville. Seemed like big shot after big shot then. But it's interesting. Maybe maybe we'll take the break. You can think of some stuff. I'll try to think of uh, of some Louisville games and maybe even more Kentucky games if I'm missing any. Rajon Rondo's three against South Carolina, speaking of buzzer beaters, uh, back in 2006 or whenever that was, was... Uh, uh, at home was a big shot for Kentucky and also just very surprising. You didn't think Rondo was going to be the one. I'm pretty sure he banked it in too and act like it was a, a layup, how cool he was about it. But again, that's kind of just Rajon Rondo. So uh, we'll take this commercial break right now. We'll think about it. Good questions, Brun DMC, and continue to tweet them in. Maybe I'll tweet that out to see if, uh, what, what UK fans think is the biggest shot in UK's recent history. So stick around here on 1450 The Sports Buzz. We'll be right back. You're listening to The Sports Talker with T.J. Walker on 1450 The Sports Buzz. And we're back here, second segment of The Sports Talker. Looking online for some, any articles on the top 10 greatest shots for UK in the NCAA tournament and, and Mark's story of the Lexington Herald leader. Uh, compile a list. So I'm gonna I'm gonna name these ten. Vernon Hatton versus Temple in the 1958 Final Four. Kentucky won the title that year, but I'm not familiar with this shot. It was a layup with 17 seconds left to give UK a victory. It's funny how a layup with 17 seconds left is the deciding play. Aaron Harrison versus Louisville in 2014 was the number nine shot for him. Jim Master versus Louisville in the 1983 tournament round of eight. 
Master hit a baseline jumper. The buzzer forced overtime, but UK got blitzed in overtime in that dream game. He has Brandon Knights versus Ohio State at number seven. He has Aaron Harrison versus Michigan at number six. Scott Padgett versus Duke. 1998. He has Vern Haddon versus Temple again, but during the 1958 regular season, so he's kind of cheating. Supposedly Haddon had a 47-foot set shot with one second left in overtime in a tied game. It's called Haddon's Heave. Aaron Harrison versus Wisconsin is number three for him. Anthony Epps versus Arizona, the 1997 championship game. UK was down three with 12.1 seconds left. Epps hit a three to force the game into overtime. I, I do agree with him here. Here, if Kentucky wins that game, then it's it's one of the better shots maybe in the NCAA, in the history of NCAA sports, but definitely for UK. And then he has Sean Woods shot versus Duke, which led to the shot. And I do think this might be the shot that everybody's talking about, if not for Leitner. So it's it's interesting. So basically, in recent history, he's got Aaron Harrison versus Wisconsin, like Brun DMC said. And then he still has Aaron Harrison versus Michigan ahead of that. I'm I'm still taking... I'm taking Brandon Knight's shot over both those slightly. Uh, slightly over Wisconsin, and then the Michigan shot was obviously great, but worst-case scenario there, Kentucky goes to overtime. But if Kentucky – and and Mark Collier tweets in at Mark underscore Collier 22, says, I'm going to agree with you, shot helped the first Final Four in 13 years, after which saw State Louisville, the rest was kind of cherry on top, talking about this last season. And that's another point. In 2011, Kentucky hadn't been to a Final Four since 1998. That is a long time for Kentucky. I mean, think about it right now. Kentucky goes to the national championship game in 2014. Imagine if they don't go to another Final Four until 2027. I mean, that is a very long time for Kentucky basketball to not be in the in the final weekend of the college basketball season. And if Brandon Knight doesn't hit that shot against Ohio State, Kentucky doesn't get there. And that drought goes on to the next year. And of course, the next year, Kentucky uh, Kentucky fans are very spoiled right now to go to three Final Fours in four seasons. But the next year, Kentucky goes on to win a national championship. That's another reason why Brandon Knight's shot was so big. It ended a terrible drought. But more so to me is just how much better I think and that Kentucky team was really good, don't get me wrong. But it lost a lot of games during the regular season. Almost got eliminated by Princeton in the first round. That Ohio State team was was much better than Kentucky. And if not for Brandon Knight, that season ends right there. Now again, uh, if not for Aaron Harrison against Louisville, the season likely ends right there. If not for Aaron Harrison against Michigan, I think Kentucky probably still goes on to win that game in overtime. And then obviously, if not for Aaron Harrison against Wisconsin, they don't go to the national title game. But is there is there a huge difference in losing in the national title game versus losing in the Final Four? Not a huge difference. I mean, obviously, you want to go as far as you can. And being the second best team is better than being the fourth best team or the third best team. But at the end of the day, 
I'm not saying Aaron Harrison's three against Wisconsin was off or not, but if Kentucky goes on to win the national title, it, it becomes that much more important. But it's funny how one player can provide maybe three of the most memorable tournament shots in one run. I mean, if you put all those together, then I'm taking Aaron Harrison. <laughs> uh, Dylan Prescott tweets in and says Aaron Harrison against Wisconsin. So he agrees with you, Brun DMC. Do you think anything Yates for Louisville? Um, I wasn't able to come up with anything for you know, tournament-wise. Um, there have been multiple game-winning shots in the regular season against Marquette. Um, those are probably the biggest shots that I can think of. Um, Reese Gaines going crazy in the last like 30 seconds or whatever it was against Tennessee. Um, I don't know. The, yeah, that the, was. I, I remember where I was watching that game too. That was wild. I, I don't know. The Marquette games probably are the biggest ones that stick out for me. I mean, there's been and there's been what three of them? I guess four. Four if you count the the layup that won that massive comeback in the Yum Center during that first season. Yeah. It was none of Louisville's title games. Was there a big shot against Duke or or UCLA in any of those games? Um, not not anything specific that I recall. But I was a little young at the time, or non-existent. So, <laughs> could it possibly be Montrezl Harrell's dunk against Michigan? Um, maybe that that's you know that's one not one I thought about because I was thinking more of in game scenarios, but that's that's not a bad one because of, I mean it put them ahead for good and it was such a momentum changer that I don't know I, I guess it depends on the parameters of what you consider the shot, but if you're if you're going, you know throughout the entire game that might be one that you would put there near the top. Yeah, I guess we never really specified if it had to be the end of the game, but you're right. The the question is, I think, for a lot of these shots is what happens if it doesn't happen? So it's fair to say, I mean, you can still have something that happens during the game and wonder what happens if that play doesn't happen. Does Louisville go on to win the national championship if Montrose Harold doesn't uh, connect on that alley-oop slam? Uh, again, that was in the first half, uh, a half that the end of the first half, a half that Michigan had dominated up until the final two minutes or whatever it may have been, and that put Louisville ahead. Now, the second half, it's not like Louisville just cruised to a national championship, but there was still some back and forth, and it was very competitive. But you're not. Yeah, there's no denying that when Montrose Harrell had that dunk and gave Louisville its first lead of that national title game, that there was really no looking back for Louisville after that. They had, they had all the confidence in the world, and as we've mentioned, they go on to win their national title. So it's interesting, but it is kind of weird that it, looking back in the NCAA tournaments of past, that Louisville might not have one surefire last-second shot that propelled them to something great in the NCAA tournament. Maybe there is, and we're just missing it, Yates, but off the top of my head, off the top of your head, it doesn't seem like we can come to anything that was in the NCAA tournament. Anyways, kind of switching gears. Now, nah, well, we'll come back to this as, as more tweets come in. If they do, uh, Brun DMC did bring this up. Maryland's offering lifetime degree guarantee for student athletes, basically offering scholarships for 
as as long as they w- please, Maryland will guarantee his or her academic aid will continue throughout graduation, even after eligibility. If a student athlete is injured or unable to compete, we will guarantee his or her aid will continue through their graduation. Additionally, Maryland will provide tuition, books, fees for any student athlete who leaves the institution in good academic standings and returns to complete his or her degree. This is what other schools are going to, you're going to start seeing every school start doing this, at least every school in the Power Five conferences. It's very cool. It's a great idea. I think that this should always, this should be the standard for any athlete. And Maryland's on the right side of history here by, uh, I, I don't really actually know if they're the first school to do this, but they're definitely the first school to publicize it. I know some other individual sports and schools will offer this perk to some of its athletes. And, uh, you know, you think about basketball and football are the first sports to come to mind. And a lot of people involved in a lot of big basketball and football programs across the, across the country, this wouldn't be a big deal for them. But if you're talking some of the non-revenue sports, and this is a big commitment Maryland's making and one that I think needs to be made throughout. It is unfortunate when you see a player get injured and there goes their scholarship and they've got to find something else to do. It's very unfortunate in football and basketball, but the other sports, it can really be devastating for a family. So I'm glad to see Maryland do this and kind of lead the way. And I I think he will. I, I think you're going to see other other schools start to do this as well. Brendan MC back at it again. He says, speaking of Montrose Harrell, is he the top contender for the wooden award last year? It was Doug McBuckets, but field seems wide open this year. Yeah. He'll, he'll certainly be in the conversation. Marcus page at UNC, I, I would say would have, would maybe be a step ahead of him right now. I'd say Frank Kaminsky might be a step ahead of him. Also, for whatever reason, Jaleel Okafor at Duke, despite being a freshman, is getting all the attention that you generally don't see freshmen get. Uh, so it's not – I don't think it would be crazy to see him win it, although they generally try to not give it to freshmen. But for whatever reason, he's kind of past this freshman, can't do this, can't do that, bugaboo. I don't even think he's the best freshman in college basketball, but nationally he's become accepted. I think part of that might be because he's he's at Duke, and if you go to Duke, you can do no wrong. But Montrose Harrell's definitely in the conversation. There's no doubt about that. And what I saw from him in the tournament and towards the end of the season is him extending his offensive game. It's not just get the ball to him on the post, and he's going to lower his shoulder and be a lot stronger than you and and finish. It was, okay, Montrose Harrell can step out to the elbow and knock down that shot. That's that's scary, and you know Rick Pitino having a whole summer with him is going to make him even that much better offensively. Uh, so uh, he's uh, he really is probably going to be one of the better four. Uh, he will be the best four, I'd say, in college basketball. It'll be interesting to see how he develops. Clayby116 says that Edgar Sosa's shot against Kentucky is – Louisville's biggest shot, which I'm not. That there's wasn't much explanation behind that. That's all. He just wanted his input to be said. So, 
Montrose Hare will have a great year, and, and the, the Wood. I, I don't. I I don't know. I don't know how, how I feel about the Wooden Award. Did Doug McDermott have great numbers last year? Sure. Yeah, he was fantastic for Creighton. Averaged, trying to find his average right now while, while I'm here. 26 points per game, which is crazy in the Big East. That's really, really good. Uh, you, know, you know, I'm not arguing that he didn't deserve to win it. But it kind of just seemed like it, 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 it almost didn't seem like it didn't really matter what other people did. He's a senior. He he's uh, perceived to be a good kid, a likable kid. Playing for his dad, averaged just under twenty-seven points a game. It seemed like he was going to win it, no matter what other people did. But were there other people that I thought were better than him in college basketball? Yes, year last year, absolutely. And I think you could make a case that Julius Randall was one of them. Julius Randall. Averaging a double-double. It's not that McDermott didn't rebound. He had seven rebounds per game, but uh, I, it's uh, that's why I don't really... The Wooden Ward can sometimes irk me because I feel like they just give it to the, the, the player they feel deserves wins it, deserves to win it despite things on the court. So that, it'll be interesting to see who wins it. It is, I, I would say it is more wide open this year than maybe years past. But even in that, you, you have to think of the upperclassmen first before you go to maybe some of the freshmen that will certainly impact college basketball. And there's, there's a lot of them this year. There's a lot of them every year, but there's plenty of freshmen that are going to let their presence be known. Some Twitter beef today on Twitter for UK media caught my eye. Larry Vault and Alan Cutler going at it. Really, it was just one one tweet from Alan Cutler that I found to be interesting. I, I've I've spoken obviously with all these, both these guys in Lexington, and I, I've nothing negative to say about either one of them. But Alan Cutler, uh, I, the the original tweet wasn't really that much of an insult to to Alan Cutler from Larry Vault. Larry Vault just said that uh, a certain coach was spoiling some uh, news anchors with flattery, and then he said, "The next thing you know, you'll start to spoil Alan Cutler." And Alan Cutler said, "Larry, you aren't funny with your comments about me. It's getting." Getting tired and old. Do you think you are funny? So that's how big of a slow news day it is, is if you spend some time talking about Alan Cutler and Larry Vault. Again, I have nothing bad to say about either one of them. Just fine. And they're, they're, they're older guys, too. You usually don't see some of the older media members really go at each other. So maybe you have to keep an eye on that going forward. I do want to talk some UK recruiting news too when we come back from the break. 
which I, I guess right now would be a good time to do it. I don't want to don't want to get into another topic at this moment. So we'll take a break. We'll come back, finish up the show. Some UK basketball recruiting news, some football news here on fourteen fifty the Sports Buzz. We'll be right back. To the Sports Talker with TJ Walker. We're back. One final segment here on uh, an overcast Wednesday. I think some storms might be moving in the area. Whatever cools things down around here, I miss the mild temperatures that we likely will not see for at least a week. But Anyways, Yates, I know that you were out and, and weren't able to listen to the show, but we got in a nice little office discussion yesterday with Trevor. Being able, I, I know that you're a fan of the office. I'm sure you would have appreciated the conversation, but basically, Trevor's going back and rewatching every episode. He, I want to see if you can guess this. He said that he went on a little office uh, binge. He watched a bunch of episodes. In one night, how many do you think that means when he says he watched a bunch of episodes in one night? I'm going to guess 20. (laughs) That's what you would think. But he said that he started with the first episode, and by the time he went to bed, he had watched... I don't even know if this is actually possible. He said that he watched... the Starting with the first episode, he finished through... The fifth season. So that's a lot more than 20 episodes. That's like 60. Maybe more. TJ, office update. I am one episode away from ending season six as of last night slash this morning. I, I, I don't know how you... So let's say it was 60 episodes. I think it's more than that. At 22 minutes a piece, which again, there's some episodes that are 42 minutes long. That's there's no way that you did all that. You start at midnight ish and you go to bed at four in the morning. I mean, how many hours is how many episodes is that? You could get th- you could get three episodes in for an hour. Uh, you could, it, it will put you a little over an hour. That means you should only have been able to get twelve episodes, Trevor. Are you lying to me? No, I've been. Do- this is over the last maybe week and a half, though. You guys think, oh, okay. yeah, this isn't over thought, one night. There's not, no, it's not a time in the well, day. Okay, I thought you meant over one night. No, 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 no. Over the last week and a half, I started season one, and now at this point, about a week and a half later, I'm almost up to the beginning of season seven. So Michael leaves at the end of season seven, correct? I think it's middle season seven. Yates would know that better well, than yeah, me. Yeah, yeah, it's towards the end. There's, I think, like five or six episodes after that. But, okay, so you, you're, season seven's pretty good. And then you'll get to season eight, not so good. Eight, eight's probably their worst, like I said yesterday. And then I, I like nine. I thought nine was pretty good finish. But let me ask you all this. Do you all watch Nathan for you on Comedy Central? Uh, I don't. I've heard you talk about it, but I, I don't watch it. I do. Just do me. 
everybody listening and Yates and Trevor, do me a favor and start watching it. Go to your on demand tonight and start watching it. It is. I mean, I was literally crying watching last night's episode. It, it just such a brilliant, fantastic show. It just it has to be watched. It, it comes on after Drunk History, which I know I know a lot of people watch Drunk History, and that's good. And last night's episode was funny, but Nathan for you is just better than it. It's it's the funniest show on TV right now. So everybody should do themselves a favor and start watching it. And then I, I had a question for Yates. Did you watch Boardwalk? Yes. Okay. Uh, I'm going to, I think, I, I know that new season starting here in a month or whenever it is. It's a fall show. I did not finish last season. I started it and I kind of didn't pay attention through a couple episodes, but I'm thinking today I don't have any work to do till later tonight, so I've got a few hours. I'm thinking about starting them back up today, pretty much after the radio show, after I take care of a thing or two. Is it worth it? Is the end of this last season good? Yes. This I thought past it was, season? I thought it was very good. Okay, I kind of just needed a little push before I commit a few hours to finishing it up. Uh, I, I I was in love with the show for the first few seasons, and it wasn't even like this past season when I started watching it was bad. I just kind of got caught up on some other shows and didn't get around to watching it. And then when I would watch, I would kind of do some other things. And uh, I felt like there's a, I was a little behind. So, okay. So that, that's, uh, I, I, I trust your opinion. I'll, I'll get back into it. And uh, I, I look forward to doing that. Cause I've, I, I, I've looked, I, I'm curious to see how they're going to tie everything together and finish this all out. So we'll have to see. A little UK basketball recruiting news before we get into the thick of things. Kentucky, the the news almost is that there's no news, which makes it even more news, if that makes any sense at all. I've got some stories that will be coming on catsillustrated.com in the coming weeks. I, I really do feel like Kentucky, despite only having one commitment and offering more people than they generally do on any given year, and it may seem like they're not leading for a couple guys, but I'm under the impression now that Kentucky is deciding who they want to pick and choose. They've offered a lot of people, but I, I think they're kind of getting a feel for people's their prospects' games still and, and f- seeing who would work and which system and also being careful to not take a commitment too early in hopes of not scaring away somebody else. So I think, I, I think this mystery around Kentucky's 2015 recruiting class that a lot of subscribers on CatsillaShredder.com are uh, genuinely freaking out about, kind of worried about. I think a lot of that is coming from UK's end. Just not necessarily slow playing these guys, but they're still in their mind trying to figure out who they want to take. They're also weighing in their options of when other guys are going to commit. So if a guy says he's not going to commit at a certain position, let's say until February then it wouldn't be in UK's best interest right now to take a uh, a less skilled player at his position today. Now if you get the if you get the the top guy on board then maybe later you you get him on board cuz once you have a guy on board, you know, he, he's there. You can bring in as much talent at, at that position as you want and you don't have to worry about scaring him away. That's what John Calipari did with the Harrison Twins and James Young. It was no surprise James Young wanted to commit well into the summer of 2000 and 
thirteen or two thousand twelve. They wanted to commit as early as possible. But John Calipari, this again, uh, John Calipari hasn't told me this personally, but uh, the rumors are John Calipari told him to wait. They wanted him. He's going to be on the team, but they wanted to. Uh, they didn't want to scare away any other targets, so just to, to relax on the commitment and maybe wait till the fall. Sure enough, the Harrison twins commit to Kentucky. What do you know? A week later, so does James Young. So coaches are sometimes they get a feel for guys. They don't want to scare guys away. So while it doesn't seem like Kentucky right now has much momentum on the recruiting trail, I, I tend to think that that's not necessarily the case. We'll have to wait and see, though. Kentucky football had practice day. It seemed like a good practice after yesterday was uh, reportedly disapp- disappointing. Seems like the defense, I, I don't know when this happened. Supposedly Bud Bud Dupree started calling the defense bad boys. Mark Soup said, we'll see if they play like bad boys. I've been around some bad boys at other programs. So we'll, he'll have to see. I, I like that quote from Mark Soups. I like the fact that he does have a, a history, uh, a good history of coaching good defenses. And he knows what a good defense is. And there's no doubt when he was watching last year's UK team that there's probably a point of realization, uh, an oh crap moment for him that things were not close to what he had at Florida State. It won't be that way this year either for Kentucky football, but hopefully it takes a step in the right direction. And if he starts getting some of those defenses like he had at Florida State, then Kentucky's really going to be able to compete in the SEC. But uh, defense certainly, the UK team as a whole certainly seems to be more confident. Some big news. I think I mentioned it yesterday. Mike Edwards is going to be on campus, uh, likely to redshirt. So, uh, that's a, again, a big get for Kentucky football. But we are running out of time for today's show. Thanks for everybody that tweeted in. Brian DMC, thank you for uh, some of your topic suggestions. That was kind of fun to take a trip down memory lane for basketball. And we'll, we'll, we'll talk about plenty of other fun stuff tomorrow. We'll talk about the USA game against the Dominican Republic uh, Republic tomorrow. And I kind of wanted to talk the Ryder Cup. Just uh, a thought came into my head during the show today, but we'll have to push that off until tomorrow. So we'll be back tomorrow, same time, 3 to 4 here on 1450 The Sports Buzz. We'll talk to you then. Kentucky home.